Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Well, welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Brett Calden. He is the CEO of WorkGrid. Hey, Brett, how are you doing today? Doing well, Neil. How are you? I'm excellent. Very happy to have you on the show. Excited to talk a little bit more about WorkGrid and about the future of work and all sorts of great things. But before we do that, let us check in with a CAPTCHA question to prove that you are a real human. So your question is, if you could get the phone number of any celebrity, whom would you choose? Oh, boy. That's a good question. Uh I would say Kevin Costner. I think you know I, I, I you know I grew up watching all his movies. Um, big baseball. I played baseball in college, and you know the early yeah. baseball movies. How can you not love Field of Dreams? You know, <laughs> brings a tear to my eye that last scene where he's playing catch with his dad. You know, yeah. I think if I had anybody, I'd probably probably look him up because I'm I'm into the Yellowstone series right now. So that's cool. That guy has had a very interesting arc of a career. You can appreciate people that just keep at it like that. It's really cool. Well, good. Kevin Costner is definitely a human answer, so you are approved to be on the show. So welcome to the show, Brett. Officially, tell us a little bit about yourself and about WorkGrid. Yeah, so I'm the CEO of WorkGrid Software. We're kind of an interesting story as we are sort of born out of entrepreneurship and innovation that occurred at a Fortune 100 company. Um, you know, so we've been focused on you know, digital solutions and improving the experience and productivity for a company of 50,000 employees um, that we found a lot of you know, crossover benefits to other companies who are much like us and employees are employees. So we invested and um, took to market uh, what is WorkGrid software, which is an employee experience platform. Um, so I've been leading that company for the last three years as we've gone to market. Excellent. So we're talking about the idea of employee experience. How do you feel like that term, I feel like has meant a lot of things to a lot of different people over the years. How would you describe the shift and really what that term means now in terms of actual software? Well, employee experience, as I said, it is broad, right? Um, it's not just about sort of the software piece of it. It's about, you know, everything around your experience at a company, whether it be the physical environment, which obviously now is a little more challenging, but also mm-hmm. it's it's about who you are as a person and how you relate to that company. Um, digitally, though, I think what you've seen is, is just a massive expansion um, in digital capabilities that have kind of really impacted how employees are more required now to interact with digital capabilities because of more and more of their job. And you know, not necessarily even the job that they're doing that you've hired them to do, but just more and more of how they interact with the company in a whole, whether that be with HR and IT, you know, the benefits aspects, as well as other systems that they interact with. So I think what you've seen, you know, everybody talks about employee experience being brought. I think you can cut it down to in multiple factors, but you know, the digital employee experience is a big component of it. Yeah. And I think that's something that I want to get a little bit deeper into with you. I think the first wave of digital employee experience was, I think we could all say a little bit bumpy, trying to just kind of force employees into systems, specifically when you're talking about HR systems or other things they have to do to take a time off request or to do a purchase order or something like that. But now we've tried to maybe find a middle ground. Where do you see us in terms of the digital employee experience? Have we matched the consumer experience yet or do we still have a long way to go? Yeah, I think it's a work in progress. I, I don't think we've fully matched the consumer experience. And to some levels, I I say we don't want to at some level. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let me ask you, how many apps do you have on your mobile phone? Uh, I mean, I probably have, uh, let's say, two dozen. 
So uh, quite a few apps that are all sitting yeah. there. So that's still a consumer experience. I think, yeah, true, I think there's still complexity in the broadness of how we interact with technology at the consumer level. We don't necessarily want to replicate. I think, though, to your point, when you start to look at um, you know how many systems an employee touches, and you know during their day or their month, or you know, it's quite substantial. And each one of them is different, and each one of them has a different level of institutional knowledge. You know, I need to know the URL. I got to click here. I got to understand uh, how many screens to go to do that one click I want to do. And mm-hmm. It's really that type of frustration that is getting compounded. And you know what I see though over time is you, know, you go back to back companies would buy these ERP systems, right? They try to buy the the one system to rule them all. They right. might like 80% of it. You got to deploy it on site and then manage it and you know that and you customize the heck out of it, right? So yep. it becomes and then you rename the system and it becomes XY. But all those systems, right, tended to be bought by the influence of the backend user, right? The person who's in there every day, because they're really solving yep. business needs. In the HR case, right, it's facilitating the hiring and the on- onboarding and all these other things that are really have an administrative view. And the buyer press people were really those administrators and all the influence on what you selected for software was done with that purview. So when then you roll it out and it lands on the larger employee base, and it's not designed for them. So it adds you know, the frustration, complexity of navigation and all those things. So sometimes it makes getting menial things done hard, right? Yeah. Um, what I see now, though, is right, it's, it's, it's flipping. You know, with SaaS offerings, um, it's actually getting more complex because you're able to select these experiences that are so pointed. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm just looking for expense approvals. I'm just looking for travel, time management. And now instead of sort of the larger ERP, as, as probably convoluted as that was and hard to navigate, you've got even more applications across the enterprise tier, which which adds to that fragmentation. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I think where things are going is, you know, there's a lot of flexibility in that and be able to buy those uh, pointed services and those type of things. Um, but what you're going to really start to see is another way of looking at it from the employee's view up on the experience itself and thinking about how do we enable the employee with intent in mind? Yeah. And how do we abstract away from a lot of these systems and build a unified experience? Yeah, I, I love that. As you come to that, looking at the arc of how the employee experiences looked, you know, like you said, at the, at the start, by the initial experience was like one monolith system that everything was supposed to go through. And then it totally fragmented. And we have, you know, dozens of apps for each doing a different thing that specialize in. And now everyone wants to go back to what it was before, but not the same. Like you said, bringing in that intent. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by the intent of the employee? Yeah, well, you think about it as, as outcome-driven. Um, you know, so when an employee interacts with technology, they want to get something done. Mm-hmm. Um, time off is a great example. So, you know, in a lot of companies, if you were to take the end-to-end journey of time off, it, it's assessing my calendar, putting the time in, waiting for approval from a manager, and then beyond that, the other systems you might have to interact with in absence. So I have to go into a time, you know, if I'm, if I'm billable, I'm going into a finance system to update that. Uh, project systems like Jira and, and those type of systems and Trello, you're kind of updating availability or updating on those type of things. And then even setting your out of office, right? Yeah. Those are all different systems when you kind of look at it. But the intent of the outcome was I want to take a day off. As simple as yeah. that, right? Yeah. So, you know, we have the ability now to abstract away from that and really just design interactions with a with an employee where they literally can put their time off in, set their out of office, do those things all within one interaction. I think that leads into a point I've heard you talk about before, which is just called digital noise. So let's talk about the digital noise that people face in their lives. How would you describe that? 
Yeah, I think it's 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 pervasive, really. Um, you know, I always talk in terms of things like you know trying to kill the red badge, right? Because as many apps as you have, as it, it, just all those red dots everywhere, yeah. right? The more apps you have, the more communications you have, the more notifications you have, the more places to go. So it's you know, it, a lot of it's in terms of you know the yet another place to go or yet another thing to check off the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and every application tends to have its own level of some level of communication, whether it's you know notifications through email or various channels. And that's the other part too, because the channels now are so much more complex mm-hmm. that to check off all the boxes, you've got those little red dots everywhere. And I think when you think about the entire work experience, you kind of are split into different parts that you have to do. Like there's one part, which is you have to participate in these systems with all these forms you have to fill out and everything you have to do. That takes up a considerable chunk of your day or week. You also have just engaging with other humans, kind of being collaborative, being social to some extent, probably more so when you're in the office than out of the office. And then you have this other part that's like actually doing the work that you're supposed to be doing. And it just seems like it's difficult to pull those in. And sometimes we think that these digital tools are there to make work better, but really they just add more digital debt onto things. What do you see as a solution to that? I think you really got to start being contextual about it and personalized and what really matters. Um, you know, you might not be able to remove all the noise, but what of that noise is really important? Mm-hmm. And then being able to zone in on that. Um, you know, the context switching and all those things that, that drive, you know, the productivities to be lessened for employees um, is trying to remove the noise, if you will, and ease their day. You know, when you, so you start looking about all the notifications you might get and all the interactions you have, what of those are really important that you know that, you know, at least priority-wise that you need to focus on? Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing those into a place that's singular. So I don't have to go hunting for them all, or I don't have to you know, be digging through all of my app portfolio and emails to, to find things that are meaningful and in the moment. So it's really about you know, abstracting across all that complexity, identifying what's meaningful and contextual, and, and bringing those to the top. Tell us a little bit about how you guys work internally at WorkGrid when you talk about like contextual collaboration. Do you encourage people, do you use a chat function or do you have, say, hey, everyone just communicate on project boards or use email? What do you do inside at WorkGrid? Yeah, it's a little bit of uh, potpourri even in that aspect, right? Just based on, again, what, you know, the nature of the work or the nature of the actual communication, whether it's social versus, you know, work that's on a project. Um, I would say, you know, the collaboration piece, we're using, we're using the same tools as most people in the industry, you know, Teams and Slack. Uh, those type of things, um, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly leveraging you know the the project management capabilities, support agile processes, um, you know. But the collaboration piece is, is done. You know, you said it right. It's a little different now that it's all sort of this hybrid work, or for the most part, more remote. Um, a lot of that is digital interactions, whether it be through like the Teams channels, Slack. Um, but we're also using the worker platform from a cultural engagement piece because um, we can reach everybody targeted as well. Let's zoom out a little bit and talk about the idea of employee productivity. I feel like that term is going through a renaissance, a a new definition of of what that means, especially as we move into a digital age. There seems like we're more capable than ever of being able to track things and put metrics on numbers. But it always seems harder to figure out, okay, what does employee productivity mean in, in different contexts? So just that word, what does that mean to you in your life? Yeah, I think the productivity to me from an employee perspective is the the amount of focus they can have on really what they were hired to do. Hmm. Um, And even even if it's extending themselves for continuous learning and those types of things, it's more the value-add components of it that 
relate to productivity where it's not wasted time or time that didn't affect any you know, moving the employee forward or moving the company forward. So when you look at that, again, it goes back to some of those interactions you might have with systems that just take 10, 15 minutes to transact where it shouldn't have to take that. So they're losing you know, the time that, and value that they can get with what you hire them to do. So as you consider like looking five, 10 years into the future, when you think about employee productivity and what you're wanting people to do, you're talking about you know, more and more complex things. You're going to hire humans to handle issues that systems can't necessarily do on their own and by nature are more difficult to track. Where do you see is like the future of that kind of combination between employee experience, technology, and then also measuring to make sure people are doing a good job and getting what they want to get done? Yeah, I mean, you, you always track things like adoption rates of technologies and, and the usage, and those are pretty much table stakes. I think what you're going to see more and more of is the convergence of experience and automation. Hmm. Um, and not automation is sort of back-end tool, but integrated with with experiences and things like work workflows in different ways. Um, you know, as you look at onboarding, for example, especially in the time we're in now, uh, you know, we have people on our team who haven't met each other in person because they've been newly onboarded into the company during this time. Mm -hmm. And then you lose a lot of that institutional knowledge. You can't spin around in your chair. There's no water cooler. I think, you know, digital tools are going to sort of evolve to support those type of connectivity and processes more fluently. Um, and if, again, with onboarding, to me as a whole employee, it was much like you were saying earlier, right? There's my job that you're paying me to do. There's department-level stuff, maybe role-based, um, but there's company-wide stuff, which makes me an employee of the company that, that touches various pieces of it. And they all kind of cross a bunch of silos. Yeah. Um, but from the, you know, I guess it goes back to that sort of outcome-driven process thought model in that even though they're across a bunch of silos, to, in the end of the employee, it's really just what I need to get done to be an effective employee. And I don't need to know that it's an IT system, a finance system, and an HR. And then on top of that, I go into the automation piece. What in that flow, an example, can be automated so that I don't have to deal with it at all? Let's talk more about that automation side of things. Because in the past, if you needed an automated process that was like, all right, go to IT, like raise up a request and they'll get to it, maybe never but maybe like one day they'll get into it. Now you're seeing more like citizen development tools that are out there that are easier for people to create. But it also raises the issue of what happens when you have these inter-department processes that cross lots of functions. Do you need to have one person that's in charge of all that? What do you see as the future of like that idea of citizen development? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of value in that. Um, and you're, you're hearing a lot about it in the industry right now. You know, the low-code, no-code apps, um, you know, putting the power of development into the hands of the business uh, with less of sort of that restraint, like you said, on IT. I think there is a lot of value in that. It opens up the ideation funnel, the innovation funnel for companies, but also, you know, increases time to value from the business perspective because, you know, as well as I do, it takes time to build apps in, in the yeah. way that apps were being built. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of value in letting the you know, having the citizen community and being closer to the business to build these apps you know but there's a lot of other side of this is is without strong governance around that um that that could lead to some some serious problems in the enterprise as far as supportability and those type of things you know i mean awareness of just general capabilities that you know if you're building a lot of apps and they're sitting in various spots it's almost like that shadow it type model where you know the support that they need for all of the other things right when you take look at citizen development it, you know, the app development piece is one of it, um, but there's still a core piece on scalability, on security, on, on those yeah. other aspects that need to be taken into account and be very strong on the governance model so that even though apps are being developed more on the front line, that they are being done right. 
Are you implementing any of this inside your own company in terms of people making their own apps, their own automations and, and connecting those together? Yeah, we are. We have a strong focus on you know, trying to remove obstacles to you know getting getting apps built in in, in leveraging. So um, specifically for ours, we have a I guess we would call it a no code knowledge builder. But it's really the ability to for the business to create interactions on the chatbot without IT in, intervention. So you know they can automate HR help desk questions, IT help desk questions, uh, any of those service types questions that would deflect some of those level one calls to the help desk, which goes back to your point you were saying earlier, allows the people you hired to solve problems to be solving the right problems, mm. not sort of the noise and the easy ones. Um, we allow that all to happen um, and, and the bot trains itself on the learnings from what comes out of those interactions, but there's no code involved in that. Um, and we are moving into more of the app build um, with, with low code. So more of that you know, dr drag and drop of, of pulling processes together, whether it be, for example, I have a service now ticket to order a computer and then following that there's system access to kind of put that in one streamline, one piece without having to have the, the IT involvement. Well, what do you feel like uh, within your own company, just think about the different departments, different roles that are there. Where do you see things moving more towards being more reliant on technology, bots, AI, and what things are you going to lean and double down more on to humans and how they're going to lead and solve problems? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It's pretty broad when you kind of look at that in the, the full topography of technology and where it's going. Right. Um, AI, for one thing, right, there's immense opportunities there. Um, honestly, I don't think the adoption's mature just yet and we're getting there. Um, I mean, a lot of people speak in terms of AI as sort of you know NLP and, and less about sort of you know, really taking advantage of going after your unstructured data to make, you know, predictions and assumptions and, and insights. Right. And we're seeing more and more of that. And I think I think those are the things that, that are going to kind of move the employee forward based on, you know, understanding who I am and what I do and being able to provide those insights. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, from the digital landscape perspective with like, you know, the chatbots and, and, and those type of implementations, I think what you'll start to see is more of a crossover between that pure interaction at a channel perspective when you're talking about asking questions and getting answers, but bringing in together actions and being able to transact as well. So I think you'll see the channels evolve beyond sort of what's the typical chatbot today, but to be more omni-channel within a channel, if you will. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Brett, let's shift a little bit and talk about leadership. That's a new thing today. I feel like it, 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 we need to kind of sit back and redefine, which is actually something I want to get your opinion on. Based on the last year and a half that we've been through in this this pandemic time, do you feel like people who were extremely effective leaders earlier in their career, do they have the right skill set to continue to be effective in the same way? Or do you feel like leaders that are going to lead in the digital age just have like a totally different mindset and you have to start from zero and build up this new skill set? What do you see as the, the trade-off? Yeah, I mean, I think fortunately for us, from our company is, um, you know, we talk about the pandemic and the influences on remote work and, and and maybe the leadership styles. But to me, I think, you know, fortunately we've, we've kind of approached that hybrid work long before the, the pandemic. So mm -hmm. I think there was a mindset there, at least of how of inclusion and, and those type of things um, that were sort of uh, already set in stone a little bit before this. So our leadership has been fairly able to adapt to what's been happening. Uh, I mean, and, and I'm you know, not to say that that's the case across a lot of a lot of companies, especially when you are kind of moving from more of a physical leadership environment to, mm -hmm. to virtual. But like I said, we've we've always been sort of hybrid and welcomed, um, you know, a very diversely located company. So 
you know, so better for worse, we've kind of been, you know, kind of in that mode even long before the pandemic. If you're bringing in somebody from outside that maybe has only had in-office experience in leadership roles, what do you feel like are the key things they would need to be successful in a hybrid or a distributed environment? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. It's it's more about that all became digital, right? Yeah. Right. You know, I think the tenets of leadership remain the same. It's a good point to say that you know, in person, there is a loss of of that in person piece, and and if that was sort of a you know, a pillar of your leadership style, it certainly was going to be challenging to sort of flip that and become all digital. And maybe you have to, you know, take advantage of different ways of communicating and connecting, um, which is a growth thing. So I think, you know, someone coming in with a physical mentality, that's how I I led. Um, Definitely probably had to change their, how they interacted with employees and how they did touch points. And so I I think there was probably some challenges there for sure. Um, But I think generally, you know, the leadership, tenants stay the same. What do you think, as you look at your company right now, what's a thorny problem, an issue that you just don't have a solution for? Maybe it's not necessarily crippling your business, but you just are waiting for, you know, some more wisdom, some more experience to come about to help you solve that issue. What's the kind of thing that's keeping you up right now? I mean, I think... I think right now it is is a lot of that connectivity piece. I think what we hear from our teams, and this is probably consistent across a, a lot of teams, is is that you know when when you even being hybrid before, um, connectivity and in, in person was always important. I think that's what's been missing. And you know we did a lot of things like probably most companies did at the early onset. You know the virtual happy hours and the let's do an employee pet show, right? But right, right. you know th- those really weren't sustainable. And, and you know now is that we're into like month 18. Um, <laughs> I think that's really the biggest part is these folks want to get together. They do want to see each other. And it may not be like in the future is like, you know, because they're comfortable with at some level with, uh, you know, the remote work, but it's going to become to progress to be a mixture, right? They, they do want to meet when it makes sense and meet to be that social and engagement aspect of it. And that's, that's been missing. And as, you know, as much as we sit here and like digital calls and, and, and can be face to face there, it really isn't the same. And I don't think there's a solution for that yet. And I think that's what we're waiting for. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I remember earlier in the, the experience of the pandemic, we saw some things come out, whether like team engagement type things or digital offsite type stuff. And you looked at it and you're like, this is great for now. Like this is probably the best we can do at this point, but there's got to be something better down the road in terms of being able to, to figure this out. I mean, obviously time and space, it's tough to, to figure out exactly how to cover all those things at once, but I do hope that there is a new era approaching us where we can solve those problems better. Excellent. Well, Brett, it's been great to chat with you and to learn more about what you're doing. Where can people go to learn more about you and your company? Yeah, thank you for having me, Neil. It's been a pleasure having a conversation. Um, if you want to learn more about WorkGrid software, you can go to workgrid.com. Excellent. Well, Brett, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to connecting with you again. Thanks for sharing everything that you know and uh, for being on the show. All right. Thank you, Neil. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you find it. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.